0: Everyone and thanks for tuning in to the Path Eleven podcast. This is your host April Hanna, and just wanted to let you guys know since we love you all so much, we have extended our end of summer sale. All of our documentary DVDs are currently fourteen ninety nine, and we have that great trilogy pack if you would like to purchase all three. And we're also really excited to take the Path Evolution out to Austin, Texas, on October eighteenth, and then we will also be out in L.A. October 28th, and we are going to be joining Tom Campbell and MBT Events for a wonderful screening at the Hilton Garden Inn and we're looking forward to having all of you there. Anyone who will be attending Tom Campbell's workshop will get a discounted ticket of $10. Otherwise, it will be $20 for general admission, and we're gonna have a great Q&A panel at the end of that screening. So we look forward to seeing all of you there, and if you'd like more information about that, you can head on over to our website at path11productions.com. So we have a great show for you guys today. I would like to welcome Dr. Lauren Cielo, who is an internationally known psychic healer and teacher. She is the creator of Golden Rose Psychic Services and is reaching out to help people harness the power of energy in their lives and to create the life that they want. Dr. Lauren provides clairvoyant healings and spiritual guidance to clients and students in over 20 countries worldwide via an internet radio show, guest radio and television appearances, and the Golden Rose Virtual Global Community. Dr. Lauren's appearances with George Nooney on Coast to Coast AM Radio and Beyond Belief on Gaia TV have propelled Dr. Cielo onto the world stage. So welcome, Dr.
1: Lauren. Oh, thank you, April. So great to be here. Thanks.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. I think we have a lot of good stuff um, to cover in this podcast. And one of the things that I know our listeners love is to kind of hear how the people we have interviewed come through their journey to really... Uh, and entering into the world of metaphysics. And I love the fact that you were a former engineer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. It seems, it seems kind of at odds with each other, doesn't it? <laughs>
0: it does. It does. So, And I know in uh, reading reading your book that you've also had experiences from early on, which I think were kind of nudging you a little bit. Um, and we are going to be discussing some of the content in your book, The Power of Energy. But I was wondering if you can take our listeners on your journey.
1: Well, oh, thanks for thanks for giving me the opportunity. So, um, I was raised what I call hillbilly Christian, um, and I say that affectionately. My people came uh, from Oklahoma during the Dust Bowl, so very humbled people. Um, my religion was really on Sundays. Um, it wasn't, you know, Jesus and the Christian faith was never discussed at home. So it was just this thing we did on Sundays. So it didn't really provide me any support, you know, at all, really. Um, And then um, when I went through puberty, I had this, I call it ascending, a capital S-E-N-D-I-N-G. I I had ascending. I wasn't asleep and I don't think I was awake, um, but Jesus came to me and, um, you know, being a good hillbilly Christian that I, I was, I, I thought, well, I better get down on my knees and, you know, do some worshiping. I better do that thing. And so I did. And in this sending, he said, get up. You know, you're my sibling. You know, don't worship me. Well, of course, you know, I couldn't tell my folks that, <laughs> you know, that's something you come and tell. Well, no, I'm not going to Sunday school anymore, mom, because Jesus says I don't need to. But um, so from then on, um, I had a very different relationship with Jesus than, you know, maybe my, uh, the family that I was raised in. And then, you know, fast forward, um, to being an engineer and, um, I was still spiritually looking. I, on the weekends, I was doing drumming circles, fire walks, you know, all these, you know, spiritual activities, but Monday through Friday, I was an engineer. So, um, actually one of my, uh, circle sisters said to me, and this is like, you know, when I was 30, I'm 55 now. So quite, you know, 25 years ago, she said, you know, you ought to call this psychic and get a reading. And, you know, I'm already an engineer and I'm like, well, wh- I don't, you know, what benefit would I get from that? I didn't really understand. So, um, but I did have a big question and my question probably like most people that are listening to us is how do I make my spiritual path and my career path, how do I how do I combine them? So I'm really, you know, feel like I'm walking the path of my heart. So that, of course, was my big question. So I called this gal, never have met her, and um, the first thing she said to me, I almost hung up. And remember, this was my first psychic reading ever. Um, she said to me that I, w- <laughs> I would be a professional psychic, and I thought, well, what a bunch of, you know, I don't, I don't have a psychic bone in my body, you know. So. Um, I I stayed on the line, though, and I asked her that question. I said, you know, why is it that Monday through Friday I'm an engineer and Saturday and Sunday I'm a spiritual seeker, I guess? I would think that if the path of my heart was engineering, I would be engineering on the weekends. That's what I thought. So she said to me, and this really helped me understand the value of psychic readings because it, it changes your perspective on how you're looking at things. So she said to me, she said, Lauren, what is it that you really do? And I said, well, right now, I'm a quality engineer. So I'm really responsible for the continuous improvement of my company and, and all of the employees. That, that's my job. And she said, that's it. And I'm like, what's what? And <laughs> she said, <laughs> She said, that's your spiritual path is the continuous improvement of you and the people around you. So I didn't realize that I really was on my spiritual path, even though my title was engineer. So now let's fast forward to 44. I was still an engineer. I was at Whole Foods, and if you know some of your listeners don't know what a Whole Foods is, it's an organic market. So I was looking at the bulletin board, and here was a little thing for a psychic institute. And to be really honest, um, April, what I thought was, well, I'm not doing anything that night of the week. You know, there's nothing on TV. I like, <laughs> so I was very reluctant. You know, you know. Now that I look back, but I did go to the open house they had where they um, were discussing the six-month clairvoyant program that they were offering. Well, you know, of course I took it. I ended up spending about two years at this institute. Um, I taught there before I started uh, Golden Rose. But um, that's how I I really got onto it and. I'll be really honest, you know, I wasn't like I said, I was an engineer who really liked high tech startups because you get to create so much out of nothing. And I could see at that time that I, I was about two months into the six month uh, clairvoyant program when I saw, oh, this company's going to go down. They're, they're, you know, blowing through all the venture capital and I, you know, money. And I know where I'm going, I'm going right back to the unemployment line. So. I took that opportunity to um, to make a career shift, and you know that was ten years ago. And I'm so humbled. I'm so grateful that you know things have turned out the way they are. And I should say one thing: I'm not a goal setter because the things that I have done. I didn't even think we're possible, April. I would have never never been able to go, oh, yes, when I'm 44, I want to be a a, professional psychic. That was so out of my realm of possibility that it couldn't have even been a a pipe dream or a daydream, let alone a hard goal to hit. So sometimes I wonder about goal setting. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. Good point. I like that. (laughs) So um, in kind of beginning to get into your book a little bit more the power of energy Uh, I really enjoyed it I thought it was great there was a lot of great stuff in there and um, one of the things that I really wanted you to explain were the 12 layers of this astral plane that you talk about and um, what I thought was interesting was that I believe you said that we are on the third and fourth level of that with yeah. being here on earth. And I just you know wanted to hear more in depth about that so I could have a greater understanding myself.
1: Oh yeah. And this is such a great topic because we can leverage the information in ways that are astounding. So, so basically this is it. I think of the earth plane as a video game. It, you know, um, Lauren is my avatar. Uh, you know, I play this role of professional psychic every time I wake up inside Lauren every morning. But the real world is the astral plane, and that's where we go when we fall asleep, and that's where we go when we no longer have an avatar in this video game. In other words, when, once Lauren goes dust to dust, I will be on the astral and not be coming back until I have another body here in the video game. So the astral plane does have 12 layers, like you mentioned. And What I find really fascinating is that right now our quantum physicists are thinking that there's 11 plus universes or i should say multiverses so they're all their calculations are almost getting up to the 12th layer of, of the astral, which i think is super and that, you know me being an engineer i love quantum physics well if you and, and i should say the astral plane you can go to any level that you want there's no boundaries there's no you know toll bridges to cross but It's all about affinity and vibration. So if you like the vibration on the fourth layer of the astral, then you'll hover there. That doesn't mean you can't go up to 12 or down to one. Of course you can, but that's what you like. You you, you have an affinity for maybe level four. So the bottom levels one through three, they're really dense. And all of us know when we go there at night because it'll be a nightmare. You'll be running, you can't run, you'll be screaming, you can't scream, you'll be trying to punch things and you can't punch. It's so dense that it's really hard to move. Well, if you go all the way up to the highest, nine through 12, this is where the archangels, the ascended masters and uh, the supreme being, whatever you you think is the highest energy. So those all tend to coagulate up at the top. Well, like you mentioned, once I learned that, I learned, you know, and that's really, of course, the model of heaven and hell. I mean, it doesn't take a, you know, rocket scientist to make that leap. Well, what I was asking Anki Yaya, and I should probably introduce Ankiyaya. He's my healing master is what his title is. He's a spirit guide. Um, he, He's the one that, you know, once I got done with my tr- training at the institute I went to. He's my teacher now, um, and he's my healer. And he's also heals everyone that I work with. So you might think of him as an Ascended Master. But again, his title is Healing Master. So I was asking Ankiya. I'm like, OK, I get it. I get the astral plane. That's really cool. But where is Earth? I don't understand where Earth is. And he said, oh, Earth is a replica of le- le- layers three and four. So all of the souls who come to this planet, we are much more alike, of course, than we're different. And we do tend to hover between three and four on the astral. Now, we all heard this word ascension. Well, what that means is this. This fake earth reality is moving up. So the, the attraction to souls is now moving from three to four to four to five. So what that really means is there'll be certain souls that won't incarnate here anymore. Um, they'll either, you know, go to a, you know, stay on a, a world that is level three, or maybe not even incarnate at all for a while, who knows. But the, the idea is, is... If you look at the earth, you might look at, for example, the United States. That is is vibrating to four, pushing to five. If you look maybe at some of the countries in the Middle East, we're looking at level three, where, you know, you still, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, people kill each other's bodies and, you know, do things like that, that really does resonate more with a three than a four. And I would say that, you know, look around. I mean, even the election here in the United States, you can see how the, the two are so polarized um, and, you know, some are vibrating higher, maybe some are vibrating lower. So you can kind of look around and see that it's happening. So the, the thing about it is probably, again, probably everyone listening to our voices there's a reason why we came. And now I want to talk about light workers because the thing about being a light worker is that you will intentionally um, incarnate in a fake world. That's just a little bit lower than what you like to uh, vibe to on the astral plane. So a lot of us here um, are really want the vibration to go higher. And you can tell because light workers usually have what I call soul sadness. You know, when we incarnate, we look out at the world and we're like, wait a minute, I don't like that. And I don't like that. And I don't like that. And so we spend kind of disgruntled time realizing what we don't want and then hopefully hitting on ways to raise the vibration. Well, there's a lot of souls that incarnate here that don't do that. When they incarnate, they go. Okay, mom and dad. Okay, I'm supposed to do this. Okay, I'm supposed to do that. Okay, and I'm supposed to do this. Okay, and they just are trying to learn how to navigate this energy. Light workers are disgruntled and they want to raise the vibration. So you might call it the wounded healer too. I'm sure people have probably heard that term.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Great. And, you know, one of the things that I also found was very helpful in kind of reading your book about those 12 astral planes, and I actually practiced it last night (laughs) because I was in a little bit of a nightmare, and I remembered that you could ask to move up a level. Yeah. And because sometimes nightmares, like you said, can kind of be more in those denser levels. And I found myself last night in one of those. And it was so cool because I was aware in the dream and I said, okay, move up a level, April. We don't have to stay here. Let's go up. Let's move up. Let's keep moving up. Yeah. So that, that was really, that was really fun. Um, And just, you know, nice to feel that, I guess, that control uh, in the astral plane. And, you know, I'm still a student here trying to learn all this stuff, too. But um, I also wanted to go back a little bit because you did mention your healing master. And I thought it was funny. It made me laugh when when you said that, like, you had heard the name and you didn't even know how to pronounce it. And, um, you know, I just I would love to know a little bit more because I know a lot of friends of mine who are healers I do energy work too with my clients and some people like yourself know the names of their healing masters it's almost like presented bam right in their face so like for somebody that doesn't have the name of their healing master can feel the energy and know that their spirit guide or guides are there how how can one like tune into that and get such specific information
1: well you know I really like that question because what that question really speaks to is awareness awareness and again, the way our parents raised us was they would repeatedly, repeatedly focus our awareness on things that they thought would be important for our um, our success in our society as an adult, right? Read that math book, you know, have discipline and clean up your room. They never said, close your eyes and focus on your third chakra, right? That was never said to any of us. Third chakra, what in the heck is that, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that what starts happening when people start to wake up and want to be connected it's all about where you're shifting your awareness I remember back when I you know was seeking I would try you know and again this is how old I am I would buy a cassette tape of meet your angel right and I'd put that cassette tape in boy, I'd be asleep before I, I even met any angel so I think it does take a little bit of training, I guess, to be able to focus your awareness on on what you want and to trust that you're getting, you know, reliable information. I call it seniority. In other words, when I'm reading someone, if, if I see something in their space and I say it to them and they go, no, no, that's not true. I'm like, well, you know, I love you very much, but you could have showed me anything because I'm completely neutral. <laughs> you, know, you can show me pink or you can show me blue. I don't care. But you showed me pink. So it's pink. So that, that seniority, when you know that the information you're getting, you can rely on. So um, I have 15 guides that I talk to regularly um, and some of them kind of come and go. And um, the way I do it is I just, you know, go into meditation and this might help. I sit down and I put a grounding cord on and probably most everybody that's listening to my voice has done some kind of grounding exercises. Well, ground yourself and then just kind of go through your body, like start with your feet and release any energy that you notice there and then move up to your lower legs and release anything there and then your thighs and and just keep moving through your physical space, um, you know, all the way up to your hair. And once you kind of said hello to yourself, that's what I say, then... You might want to create out in front of you with your eyes closed, imagine a little platform, a little stage, maybe a cloud would be more appropriate. And then once you, you know, once you create that little platform, put a grounding cord on it. So now you're sitting in your space grounded and you've created a space out of your energy field where you want a guide to land. And all you have to do is sit there and and ask your highest and best guide to step up onto that platform. Now, of course, I did that with Anka Yaya, like you mentioned. Oh, my gosh, I could barely sense that anything had stepped up there. I did get that the name started with an A, but it was very difficult to finally get Anka Yahya out of it, but continue to work with them. And I also want to say this, that it's not what people think it is. When I look at Ankiaya, and by the way, he's like seven feet tall, extremely muscular, a very dark skin and very scantily clothed. That's the way he looks. But when I work with him, I didn't know that at first. At first I saw these big white eyes and then I saw this big, big white teeth, you know, smiling back at me. So keep with it you right? keep with it and as far as asking them their their name um, again just open up and see what the first thing that comes into your mind and i'll give you a good example um, we all have an akashic record keeper it's kind of like jury duty that's what i think about the poor record keepers there you know each there's one assigned to each incarnate person and they of course take care of our akashic records well the class that i met my when i was taking my training the class when i met my record keeper i was driving to, to school and I heard was listening to NPR or something, and there was a woman on there named Anastasia, and she was doing a report on something I don't remember what now. So I'm like, okay, and you know, I get to class, and we go into meditation, and you know the teacher says, okay, create a platform out in front of you, and ask. In this case, I was meeting my Akashic record keeper, so there she popped up, and I said, what's your name? And she said Anastasia, and so I said, okay, wait a minute. I said, Ankiaya did I just make that up? Did I just, you know, because I heard that name on the way, you know, I just, you know, did I just throw that in there? He goes, no, I had you listen to that show so that you would know her name. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's completely backwards. But you see, by me asking him, I would have never thought that. Right. And, and so it really does help to have a go-to guy that you can communicate with. And, and the way I know it, the, that he's the one talking to me is because I'll ask him a question that I have no idea what the answer is and I never get the chance to logically have a thought process to see what the answer is. He just says the answer. So that's a great way to tell if you're talking to your guides or if you're if you're processing, you know, the rationally processing. By the time you ask a question to the guide, by the time you can even voice it in your head, the answer's on its way to you and you'll never think, I wonder what it could be. No, you don't even get that much, that much time. It's just, that's the answer. So I would, and also I want to say this, I said I had 15 guides. Well, I do this thing where anyone can do it. You don't have to be super psychic. I go on walks. And I'll ask my guides to give me information and all of a sudden they'll kind of come through my stream of consciousness with communication. And so I do that all the time. And about two years ago, Merlin, who's my um, um, alchemist, he's an alchemist, um, he was working on me while I was walking and he goes, you know, you really should do this for other people. I'm like, do what? I mean, I'm just walking and talking to you guys. How could I do that for other people? He goes, no, make a service. So Golden Rose has a service now for everyone that wants to meet their guides. Um, It's called Celestial Introductions. And that's what I do. Uh, The first audio, it's an email reading. um, I read who your guides are. Like, you know, it's usually between five and I think as many as 13 have come through in one of these Celestial Introductions. So I tell you who they are, where they are around you. Are they standing behind you off to the left? Um, And then after that reading the second audio is a meditation where i i do that i say okay put a grounding cord on release energy from your feet we go through your whole body and then you start bringing one guide at a time into your space to heal you and oh my gosh you can start to feel the different vibrations of each of these guides as they come in and do whatever it, you know whatever they're doing to your uh, chakras and auras so uh, again it's called celestial introductions and if you really want to you know I've found that it's the easiest way to get people who really don't want to spend a lot of time doing a bunch of meditation um, to meet their guides and be able to talk to them. So that might help, too.
0: Yeah, I think a session like that would be a real gift to healers. Like you said, if they don't have the time, they know, they sense, they can feel the guides, but really want to work more in tune with them. That's that's great. Awesome. Awesome. Um, And also, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about how you go about uh, with the golden rose uh, using that. I don't know if you use that as a metaphor, but I found that pretty fascinating to read that you kind of get an imprint or you're able to read a person because you're able to see this visualization of a rose and you can tell. Mm -hmm like how many lives or how old the soul is by the stem and the leaves. And um, so can you take our listeners through that process? Because that was really fascinating.
1: Sure. We call it a rose reading. And in the teachings of Golden Rose, it's how we start every reading. So even if you've got a celestial introduction, like I was talking about before, before I tell you who your guides are, I'm going to give you a rose reading. And I'll tell you what it really is. It's a message from your higher self to you here on earth and that it's so important because if we knew what it was that our soul wanted to do here on earth well then here we could get out of the way like if I would have known at 20 that I was going to be a professional psychic at 44 I probably wouldn't have been so fussy all those years you know so I think that And it's really the vibration of someone's name that motivates their higher self to communicate to me what the higher self is doing. And the symbol that the higher self creates is a metaphoric rose. Now, I've been reading roses for 10 years, hundreds of roses, thousands of roses. But you know what? They never look the same and they quite honestly rarely look like roses. They're supposed to be roses, but um, I just picked them apart. As far as the metaphor of the rose, like you mentioned, the stem represents how many times you've incarnated. So a long stemmed rose is a soul that really gets around. Um, All the leaves on the stem represent creativity. So I just asked them to say their full name. And by the third time, their higher self creates this image. Now, the reason why what your higher self is doing is so important is because it's your higher self that's signing those spiritual contracts. So again, your higher self is, is collaborating with other souls on the earth so that it can have the experiences it wants. But if we have been programmed through our upbringing not to be receptive to those experiences, well, now you, you, you're in some trouble. Right, you're in resistance to your higher self. You're probably not very happy on the earth plane. And I'll say, higher self always wins. Higher self always wins. So for example, I was raised Christian. I'm not Christian anymore. I had to release that programming. And if not, oh my gosh, I would be so bitter right by now, I'm sure, I certainly wouldn't be where I'm at now. So sometimes my guides will come to me and they're like, oh, this is what your higher self wants to do. And I'm like, what? I'm like, no. I don't bend that way and they go oh yeah you'll bend that way and sure enough two weeks later i'm a pretzel right so so (laughs) so i i believe that running energy here in warren's body to weed out all of those um we call them pictures but all that information that i was programmed i was programmed to be an engineer every every teacher of mine said you're so good at math you're so good at physics you ought to be an engineer so piece of information after information after information. It soon turned out that when I came back into Lauren Cielo in the morning after my trip to the astral, I would read the energy in Lauren's field and it said, I'm an engineer. So I had to get up, get on the freeway, go to a, a, a lab where I did electronic stuff, come back, go to sleep only to do it again. Well, now when I wake up in Lauren, the information in Lauren's field says, I'm a professional psychic, so I don't get up, get on the freeway and go to some um, high-tech company. So that's how it really works. And what I love about the teachings of Golden Rose is that it's very mechanical. It's very scientific. It's all about the movement of energy, signing contracts, and um, programming, either releasing the programming that's not serving you or put programming in that, that would serve you. So the energy in our field is so Um, fluid that um, one could really go from engineering to being a psychic.
0: Great. Thank you. Yeah. And do do you think, or do you know exactly why maybe it was this rose that was presented to you for you to use this as a metaphor, to be able to read people and then teach others this technique? Was it because you had kind of that type of brain and the way that you process information that, that that's maybe why this is your technique that you're using and sharing? Um, Well, I
1: think this way I was trained that the the roses, of course, you know, roses who they're, you know, so beautiful and not intimidating, such an ancient symbol that um, the rose is kind of the main and a lot of the tools at Golden Rose are roses. Now, the golden part comes from um, gold is the highest energy that I can see so far. So if I'm you know talking to the supreme being, whatever your gods or goddesses, whatever names you have, uh, it's gold. Um, so, and, and you know, we can also push gold into someone's space, that highest vibration and, and heal. So Golden Rose is very much, um, the name of my business, Golden Rose, is very much taken from the teachings of Golden Rose. <laughs> Golden Rose, Golden Rose, i said it like 12 times, but <laughs> so, so that's why the metaphor for Golden Rose, Yeah.
0: Okay. Excellent. Great. Now, I'd like to take the other second half of our show um, to talk about spirit, soul, sexuality, male and female energy. And Uh I know that um, you're uh, transgender and that you have begun your transition from female to male um, Uh back in July of 2015. And I'm excited to have this conversation because I've really never had this conversation with anyone before, but I've always had questions about it. Um, and questions in the sense that sometimes when I do healing work, I get a sense and a presence that there is a guide, but, and it always seems to carry a male or female energy. Like I I don't know, or that's maybe what I am feeling and sensing. So I'm giving that label onto something. But then I kind of wonder like, does spirit, does it really have a sexual identity Um, and then I just thought that it would be really great for our listeners to also just understand and talk a little bit about, um, the transgender topic and how that works and connects to spirit in the spiritual world. And, you know, I, I know I'm rattling off a lot of questions, but, you know, one of the things that I've always thought about with people that are coming in and not feeling like themselves and know that, you know, they are of a different gender and end up, um, you know, making a transition to that, that I've always had so many questions about that. So I am hoping that you can answer a lot for me.
1: Well, thanks for asking. Hardly anyone ever asked me to talk on this topic. So thank you. Oh, you're (laughs) welcome. (laughs) All right, well, um, now to understand my exposure, um, my background, I was always in high tech um, before most people had email or access to the internet, I did. Um, and I, of course, on my lunch breaks, I'm Googling things like earth changes. And uh, and I don't know if anybody even knows what earth changes means anymore. But back then there were all these maps that had been channeled on um, how the earth was going to change around 2012 and all this tumultuous stuff, you know, all these channelings. And I was very interested in that. And what I read was the ascension um, the the principle that had to come back for the ascension age to, to come was the female principle. And so we saw a lot of that in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, um, you know, where all of a sudden the you know the Equal Rights Amendment, even though it was never passed, the idea of it really did settle into a lot of our psyches that you know that females really are equal. So that's what I thought it was. I thought, okay this is the the energy rising that will bring on the ascension the fact that you know most countries and most psyches are getting used to this idea but i don't think that now now what i think is that it's each individual person who um, would have the female principle rise in them not females as a collective so i feel now that those early channelings are really talking about our individual energy fields that uh, and, and I always say this, like my my grandparents, um, <clears throat> of course they're passed away now, but if my grandmother's children were crying, my grandfather wouldn't have known how to, to um, calm them. It wasn't that he didn't want to. He did not have, he could not run female energy, just the way my grandmother could not have gone out and done in the world and done the things he was doing because they ran such distinct energy. So... Now, when I look at my nephew raising his, you know, comforting his children while they're crying, it, it's instinctual to him and he has all the energy to do it. He can multitask, which, of course, is a female energy trait where you can keep a bunch of balls in the air at once. You know what that kid's doing in that room. You know what that kid's doing in that room and you can still take care of yourself. So that is what is is stimulating the right and left hemispheres of the brain. So. In each individual soul is balancing the male and female energies, no matter what your gender is. Um, so I'll speak of it spiritually that way. Also, when we talk about guides, um, you know, taking a valence, um, an appearance. Um, no, they have no gender, n- none whatsoever, and they have no body. So they will take the valence that you're most comfortable with um, when you're working with them. But again, you may feel... That that soul is running more or you know male, more male or more female energy, and that may be true because you know, we're all getting so sensitive to those energies now. So now talking about it personally here on Earth, um, it's I think I think for me I was re, you know I was born in 1961, but I was born here in Southern California, you know, so you know little forward lean to that. But um, I didn't have words for what I was, um, and neither did my parents. Um, you know, I was just one of those tomboys that would just never seem to be able to, you know, blossom in- into a, you know, a, a, what I call a successful woman. That's what I call it, a successful woman. I was never a successful woman. A successful woman in our society is a, a mother, uh, a wife. <laughs> I was never any of those. Um, it can never Um, figure out how to to run that energy. And I got really involved in goddess worship because I was with all women, you know, in circles, like I mentioned earlier, because I was trying to find out what that was. Um, So it never really, I never had the words to say, you're calling me the wrong gender. I I just kind of went along with what everyone said. But what happens when you do that is there's a big part of you that is a vacuum, like, you know, there's parts of me that I don't even know yet because the the words to describe me um, weren't part of my vocabulary and of course, you know, we must have words to have thoughts. That's that's the thing about the, why the word is so powerful. And I, and I really don't even think I'm transgender. Um, I am Lauren, um, and I'm not really a man, and I'm not really a woman. Um, I have made some modifications to Lauren, so I'm a little bit more comfortable on the earth plane. Um, but, you know, another really interesting thing, April, is that, you know, I, there's a video on my website, my homepage, that... Um, I put up there because a lot of the work I do is with my voice. So I didn't want people who'd work with me a couple years ago when my voice was a little bit higher to be all of a sudden going, who am I talking to? Who's this person? And, you know, being a psychic, you know, there's a trust factor. So while before when people thought I was a lesbian, I never billed myself as the lesbian psychic, you know, but but now that a lot of my work was done with a higher voice, I kind of had to. You know, again, that's a pretzel that I got bent into, that I had to say I am the transgender psychic so that people could follow me, you know, through. But the funny thing is, is that that video, I shot it over a year ago and I thought, well, I probably changed so much. It's probably time to, you know, do it again. And I was going to splice the two together so that you could see the before and after. And you know what? I just did it, I think, yesterday or the day before. I haven't changed. I mean, I, I was looking at, you know, myself now and then, and my voice really does sound about the same. I mean, I my, my shoulders are a little bit I'm more muscular, but um, it hasn't really changed me that much. And I find that fascinating. I've been on testosterone for 14 months and, um, you know, no, everybody recognizes me. You know, it's the strangest thing. I, I, I guess I'll learn more as I go forward.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And do you have any thoughts about, um, I don't know, like you said, you don't necessarily feel transgendered, whether it's one or the other, but... Uh, is this just for some people, like, a path and, and part of their growth and their spiritual path to have to go through something like this? Because I know that it's very tough just in society for people to, um, you know, just with what the transgender community is going through um, in general. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like, do you can you make sense of what the what the purpose might be or if somebody is going through this themselves that it might give them a little bit hope to say hey there is meaning there's purpose you know keep keep moving forward and don't give up and just kind of be who you are
1: well one of the greatest things is the kids now right if if you talk to I don't know maybe 19 to 30 um a lot that you know the ones that didn't tell their parents I'm not a boy I'm not a girl and they didn't get any you know uh, any help you know with that by the time they're you know adults they're really more gender queer is the term where yeah there's part of me that's male and maybe today I'll wear makeup or maybe tomorrow I won't and they just kind of flow each and every day well of course you know, to maybe older people, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, I could not imagine putting up makeup on and putting a dress on. I would feel like, you know, <laughs> I would feel so uncomfortable. Oh, my gosh. But, but this breed of, of, of soul that's incarnating wants to be able to push it back and forth, back and forth. And of course, that's going to uh, directly affect relationships, right, and and procreation. <laughs> you know, if parts don't match a certain way, you know, we're not going to have any kids, things like that. But um, this is what I would say to somebody that's struggling: um, check out um, our website. We we do some free stuff for the transgender community, and I'll, I'll tell you why. April, um, I I spoke at the Gender Odyssey Conference last year in Seattle, and it was really my first exposure to you know, the transgender community all on its own. And um, I'll be really honest, it broke my heart. Uh, I, uh, there is so much pain in that community that I'm really not sure when I can speak at another event. So what we've done, we have a workaround. Um, we, we create two meditations every month. One is for people who are questioning their gender. It's called Transgender questioning. And again, there's free meditations on different topics that I went through when I was questioning. And I spent really decades questioning. Um, And then the other group is if you're actively transitioning, you know, dealing with hormones or surgery or trying to get, you know, permission from your health caregivers for those things. And there finally will be a third meditation group, which is called Life after transition but I don't know that one yet so uh, so uh, I started at the beginning of the year so we got like eight you know meditations for each of those groups so we you know really ask um you know anyone who's interested in that information to come and, and 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 use it and then pass it on we've been trying to get it out to the transgender community so Until I'm a little bit tougher, I don't think I can do too much more than, you know, these, uh, you know, free meditations. It just breaks my heart.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great the work that you are providing for, you know, the community there. So I appreciate that, too. Um, And then I have a question, which might sound a little outlandish. People might think, (coughs) oh, gosh, this may never happen. But do you... Um, have any thoughts that maybe, just maybe, could we possibly be evolving to a state, and who knows how long this would take, to maybe where there is no gender?
1: I do think so. Yeah. yeah. I do think so. Yeah. Definitely. Now, um, and that's a lot of reasons, right? So we, of course, our, our physical bodies are on this rock called Earth, and that rock is shooting through the universe so we are moving into a new place in space and that place has a higher vibration so that's the reason why the longer you sit on this planet the more your brain is going to combine your right and left hemispheres are going to combine and and we can already see it we are smarter now than ever as a people. Our collective information quadruples in a couple of months now. It's insane. And I think the thing that we maybe up until this point haven't realized that why our left brains are getting so stimulated by the energy that we're in now, well, so is our right brain. That the, the, um, the psychic the artistic the emotional side so yes I do think we are going to blend into where and again I don't know really how that's going to go with sexual tension where you don't really know what's in that person's pants over there although you really like them
0: (laughs) very true (laughs) Yeah, well, this is, I mean, it's been a helpful conversation for me because over this past year, just personally, I had a couple of experiences working with clients and I just kind of wrote it off like, oh, maybe I was just like in an altered state of consciousness while, you know, kind of working with them. Because, you know, a lot of times when you do this work, there's parallel processing and, you know, it's kind of like you're hearing it, but you're also kind of working in another realm. And I've had quite a handful of clients, this happened, it's happening more frequently where, They'll be sitting in front of me, and I know that this client is female, but then all of a sudden, visually, they change, and I can't see gender. Um, Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know what the heck this is, and I haven't really talked about it or, you know, processed it much with you know, anyone or any of my mentors and stuff, but I remember telling a friend about it. And she's like, wow, that's kind of weird. I'm like, I know, maybe, maybe I'm going <laughs> crazy or something, but, um, but that, that's why I had some of these questions and wanted to ask them because it's happened more than once a handful of times now. And it's actually been just really beautiful because there's something in what I was experiencing is just really seeing the true essence of the soul. And it was not, it didn't feel either male nor female, but Uh, This is so hard to put into words, but just really feeling and seeing the energy of the being that's in the body,
1: (laughs) I guess. Well, you know, I think out of everything that I've learned about going on this, you know, gender, you know, odyssey or whatever, whatever I'm doing um, is it's really about men. I had no idea, April, that men are so emotional. I, well, I should say I went through menopause. And this is very strange. I went all the way through menopause before I decided to transition. So I had all as much of the female experience as I could possibly have. And now I am so much more emotional, like an please forgive me. But when I'm looking at Facebook and I see something so gorgeous, you know, that somebody's posted, I cry. Where before I think I had so much emotion moving, you know, kind of like a washing machine that I could never really focus on one emotion that intensely. And so I started thinking about that. I said, "Okay, so really, my brothers are much more emotional than my sisters on the planet. Although, of course, that's not the way were raised, you know, to, to see it that way. So I t- of course, I went to my, my go-to guy, Anki, yeah, And I said, so, so why is that? Why am I more emotional now than I was when I was running estrogen? Um, and yet other men, if I'm, you know, could say I'm a man, other men aren't. And he said, the making of a man. And I was like, Oh my God, I totally know what you're talking about. So when we become women, you just start menstruating. And all the women are like, oh, you're a woman, right? You you're just you don't have to be made into a woman. <clears throat> but starting from the very earliest communication to, to young boys, <clears throat> we're telling them, <clears throat> don't cry. Stop feeling that. Don't feel that. Don't feel that. So as a man who has not been made by another man. I was not socialized male. I can tell you men are much, much more emotional than women are. I, and who knew? I had no idea. Maybe that's my next book.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, I mean, I know I've worked with quite a few men. I've seen that myself. I mean, I find women to be emotional, but the men that I'm working with also very deep, like deep, yes. they feel things very deep. They're very emotional. But a couple of them had even said to me, you know, but April, I'm not given permission to be this way in the world. I have no place to feel this, to express it. And I think a lot of it is because men, you know, carry a lot of burden and a lot of pressure to be this strong, stoic type. Um, You know, so I think it's really awesome when guys really can feel free to be that emotional self and walk in the world like that. Because I think that there need to be more men that are modeling that and not afraid to express that in the world, my personal opinion.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, one of, the, one of the things I'm finding interesting is, you know, being part of the the, you know, gay community or whatever for my whole adult life. We, we use certain pet names for each other, no matter what your gender is, no matter, you know, if you're gay, straight, if you're, you know, in a club, we'll say, hey, baby, hi, honey, hi, sweetie, how are you, baby, I love you. Now, that's the way we talk, no matter if you're a woman, a man, whatever. So now that I'm being perceived more as a man, it's so funny because I still use those things with straight men. And they're they're a little bit taken off. I'm like, oh, baby, I love you. And they're like, oh, my God, are you a gay man who's hitting on me. So it's really interesting to watch how maybe some of us are trying to hold space so men can have that experience of, you know, I mean, it feels so good to, to open your heart and have affinity with people instead of thinking that you're so much different than them. Yes,
0: agreed. Definitely. (laughs) Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I really enjoyed myself and enjoyed um, you know, speaking with you. I'd also like you to let our listeners know where they can find you and more information about the services that you provide.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, I have two websites. One is goldenrosepsychic.com. The other is my name, laurencielo.com. And my, my name will never change. It's always going to be the female spelling of Lauren. Um, so check that out. Also, um, I'm starting my next six-month clairvoyant training program for beginners. You don't need to know anything. There's a free open house on October 1st. And then I invite you to the first class for free also on October 8th. And you can get more information on our website about those.
0: Okay, great. And I know that we have a bunch of listeners out in the California area. So I think that, you know, you'll, you'll find that a lot of people will probably reach out to you. So it was wonderful speaking with you. Thanks so much for being a part of the Path Eleven
1: podcast. Thank and you, uh, April. Thanks for all you do.
0: If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepassseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at Vimeo.com, GuyMTV.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at thepastseries.com or send us a tweet at The past Series. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoy the show.